Hello, uh, producer Katie here. You're not used to hearing me at the start. I'm not used to talking into a microphone by myself in an empty room. Um, I'm just here to tell you that Dave Cohen will shortly introduce this episode as episode 17 of Sitcom Geeks. It's in fact now episode 19 because we decided to put out two Builder interviews a bit earlier than planned, so I hope you enjoyed those. Also, the sound quality on this one's a bit lower than usual um, because I couldn't make this recording and the setup was different, so if you could bear with us on that. But otherwise, it's a great episode. It's just episode 19, not 17. So Dave's going to lie to you in just a second, but do ignore him. Episode 19 of Sitcom Geeks. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Carey. On today's show, we're going to talk about the world. Well, not, you know, world peace, how best to deal with climate change or whatever, but actually developing your sitcom world. Um, but first, we're going to be looking at the uh, latest uh, brave person to take the Sitcom Geek 10-page challenge. Um, fittingly, for our world episode, and this is a sitcom that's uh, set in Beijing. And it's, uh, it's... By a man called David Drakeford, yep, um, who is actually living in Beijing, I yes, think, at the moment. Uh, not many Beijing sitcoms, as far as I can tell. And it's it's called Mahjong... Mahjong? Yes, Mahjong Pizza. So, James, if you would like to start and tell us your... So, thoughts. David sent us uh, episode two, his first ten pages, and you can read along on this script. If you go to Facebook, on our Facebook page, look up Sitcom Geeks, there'll be a link through, and you can look at a PDF... Um, so that uh, we are, I was going to say, singing from the ha- same hymn sheet. We're not going to sing, um, but you'll get the idea. And if you look on this um, script, you will find uh, a a pizza restaurant, and you will find Ola, a Polish-born restaurant manager, in this restaurant, and she's typing away at a computer. She's talking to Persephone, her Chinese business partner, who walks in, and then a... Um, uh, Ola's English boyfriend, Kurt, walks in and he's talking about a dog for a while and then he is sent off to take part in filming a TV advert who need white foreigners uh, to be in their adverts. And then um, Ola goes into the bar and talks to Ollie, who is a potty mouth cockney bartender and he is running uh, the bar in this um, pizza place and they talk for a bit and then we're in the studio with Kurt to see how he's getting on with uh, his bits and pieces and then we go back to the restaurant for a scene with Ollie and uh, Persephone. So you can, if you want more detail, then you can read that uh, for yourself. So that's my summary. Um, do you want any, have you any general comments, Dave, before I've got a few specifics? Well, I, uh, it's... it's um... I found it quite a hard um, script to follow, but I think you've got some sort of specifics that you want to take about okay. the actual script. Yeah. I want to talk about it sort of generally, the okay. whole idea, really. So, I mean, as, as, a, as the script as it stands, in one sense, let's let's start with the positives. Um, what's great is this isn't four people in a room talking. This isn't four people in a flat. This isn't um, just something that we've seen before. This is... A, a restaurant in Beijing. Is it a Chinese restaurant? No, it's, it's a pizza restaurant. Is it, is it run by Italians? No, it's run by a Polish person and, um, a Chinese, uh, person as well. And there's an English, uh, English boyfriend and an English bartender. Um, so 
it is very much its own thing. And um, I gather that David um, lives in Beijing and or lives in China and that this is something that he's been thinking about. So there's a sense in which it's great that we've been transported somewhere. Um, I think it makes it a hard sell in this country at least, but we're not going to worry about that for now. Um, so uh, here, here are the bits that I find a bit trickier. So in the first scene, there's a lot of talking and there's not a lot of action. And there's talking about what this restaurant um, person is trying to do. She's trying to write something about um, what it's like being um, a woman um, uh, in, in China and, and that kind of stuff. And also the title page says highly strung expat runs a pizza restaurant. And I didn't really see that much evidence of this highly strongness uh, in the first scene. And I don't quite know uh, who Ola uh, really is. Um, and I'm also confused that she's trying to run a restaurant, which is a pretty big deal. But this is only episode two when she's trying to be a writer as well. So what's why, why is she not trying to run the restaurant? I find that um, a little bit confusing because um, she's not even writing about food or restaurants. She's writing about something else. So um, also Ola's uh, Polishness is either is neither explained, which it may have been in episode one. But you sort of need to bear in mind that the audience um, haven't seen episode one. Um, but also her Polishness doesn't seem to inform um, uh, her attitude in terms of she, she's talking about what it's like in China. You would imagine, therefore, she would say what it's like in Poland, but um, you don't really get so much of that. And I'm just sort of, in one sense, just groping around to find out who Ola uh, really is. Um, and then Kurt comes in. There's a conversation about a dog, which seems to have some subtext to it that I don't don't really understand what that is. And then he's sort of given a job to do. He has to go off uh, and do this, um, be in this advert. But I don't quite know why he's going off to do this. I don't know what's in it for him, what what the actual quest is that he's off to do. So um, I found that a little bit unresolved. Then scene two is my favourite scene because you have a character called Ola and a character called Ollie, <laughs> which look almost identical on the page. Um, and uh, you could have called Ollie anything and uh, you called him almost exactly the same name as your protagonist. So uh, I would avoid that. Um, Ola says that she's changed her mind about, about having a happy hour. Ollie wants to have a happy hour and Ola says, oh, I've changed my mind about that. Uh, why has she changed her mind? Um, it doesn't seem obvious that she would just suddenly change her mind on something that hasn't been triggered by anything. So, again, we just need to think a bit more about that. Um, and then uh, there's a line uh, where Kurt says, there's so much pressure these days, everyone just thinks about work. And, he's, and I'm thinking, well, he's now saying what people should be doing or showing. So um, I don't quite know what that line is doing and that sort of getting some alarm bells and then um ola is trying to do this writing i don't know who the writing is for exactly or why or what the goal is how we know when she succeeded in this so that plot particularly just needs uh, focusing onto a particular number of words by a particular deadline or some way of getting a clock ticking um and then kurt's actual filming he goes off to film this thing and Kurt's clearly a little bit of an idiot, yeah. but it seems it's, to go rather well. Okay, yeah. <laughs> end, end of story. End of story. Oh, yeah. Um yeah. so that was that was slightly odd. But in a you know, ten pages, there's there is stuff going on in a slightly unusual location with a bunch of interesting characters, but mm. there's a lot of sharpening up to do to um to get that up to speed. I I yeah, I actually don't even really want to talk about this 
particular 10 pages, which I, I realise is, is sort of going slightly against what we're, we're saying. But uh, it does, uh, what, what really interested me, I do, um, I, I've written a blog before where I've, I've said, um, I, I take issue with this uh, phrase that people say, which is write what you know, um, because what tends to happen is a lot of people misinterpret that as to mean, oh, I, uh, I, was, I was a journalist, um, so I'm going to write a sitcom set in a newspaper. Um, and um, even someone like John Morton, who's one of the most successful sitcom writers uh, of, of, of the moment, he wrote uh, 2012, he writes W1A. People like us. People like us. Uh, the brilliant Sunday format on the radio. Um, he wrote a pilot uh, about his time as a writer on a newspaper, and that he, he can't get a show made. Um, I, Trust me, you're not going to. So when I say... Um, you're forgetting Nelson's Column, of course. Ah, yes. Which was uh, quite a long... That was John, Gaw- that was John Gordon John Sinclair. John Gordon Sinclair, yes. A long time ago. One By Paul Mayhew Archer. Ah, right, yes. Yeah. Yes, I do remember that now. Um, but it's... Uh, when someone has got the kind of uh, information that you have, and this is... A, this is um, as far as we can tell, an Englishman living in China. Um, now, that's, to me, uh, that is someone I would say, yes, write what you know. Mm. Because what you know, none of us know. Um, I, I have a little bit of uh, inside information on this, because I actually, many, many, many years ago, my first girlfriend uh, taught English in China. And so I was uh, privileged to go to China in the early 1980s, just at the time when it was changing from being sort of communist regime into the uh, what, what it's becoming now. Uh, what it's become now, really. And um, there were just amazing things that were going on. And, and, I, and my immediate thought with this Kurt story was it reminded me that my girlfriend um, was always being cast in movies. And uh, oh, she, what, the, the part she played in every movie, she was uh, a passenger on an aeroplane <laughs> because there were no foreign-looking people in China. There were only Chinese-looking people. So to try and give the film a bit of uh, international or na- national appeal, make it seem like it was uh, outside of China, they had to have... Uh, they, they tried to put a few non-Chinese faces into the film. And so she would be in every film. Uh, and there'd be one scene where a, their hostess was pouring her a drink or something and she'd smile. And uh, everywhere we went in the streets in Guangzhou, we were mobbed. We were, everybody knew her, and uh, she'd never said a word in these films. But she'd been on screen for five seconds, and she'd been mostly drinking champagne yeah, on yeah, aeroplanes, yeah, or looking yeah. at a sort of plastic uh, tray with some uh, cheese yeah. cheese sandwich on it. Um, and that was um, something about that that kind of incredible cultural gulf, which even now, uh, you know, how how much do we know about China? We don't. We know so little about it, and. You are absolutely brilliantly, perfectly placed um, to to tell us. And um, the, the 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 blog idea um, is uh, there's, there's a very good book actually by uh, I, I forget the name of the writer. And also, even if I remembered it, I wouldn't be able to pronounce it. Nigerian uh, writer called Americana, and she writes a, a blog about what it is like to be a Nigerian uh, in in America. Um, and uh, in, in comedy, in, in sitcom terms, we've got uh, Sex and the City is kind of a blog about uh, sex in New York. And I, I sort of thought this this could be a kind of uh, Sex and the City set in Beijing and not so much the sex. But, mm. you know, it's the the, the, the blog is a kind of uh, back. Uh, it's a thing in the background. You know, I'm working in a restaurant in China and mm. I'm writing this blog. Um 
and so and so it becomes about the restaurant it becomes about being the alien in the foreign country uh, and there's a couple a, a couple of things come up there's a mention of like that sexism is a really big mm. thing in in china and uh, that's kind of interesting in a country that's supposed to be you know kind of everybody's meant to be equal um kind of uh, ethos and yet and yet this, this this sexism is a really kind of in big big deal mm. and you know i just want to know more and I, i'm sure there's plenty you could tell us and there's mm. a really interesting and what that the whole kind of thing about work in china and the fact that that everybody works so hard and mm. people only have one child you know we know we just we have these sort of few little facts and mm. i i think uh that there is a if if you can nail uh telling british people what it is like in china mm. and make it funny and have little stories going on as well they don't have to be really big stories your main character is just writing this blog in their spare time mm. in that sort of carrie bradshaw way there's a scene at the beginning where the the the, the uh what whatever the idea of the episode is you know can you work in china is there too yeah. much sexism in china tap 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 on your computer yeah cut to the, yeah. the story and we have the story and then at the end we get a little paragraph that, that explains it and yeah. you know and and that 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 that's a good way that's a good discipline for you yeah, really, yeah. Of, of, and it's actually also a nice cheat as well mm. um so uh so yeah i think um i mean we'll come on to world building because it's sort of going to it comes on to that as well doesn't it yeah. but um so um so there's some, I think, some good thoughts there from Dave, probably more useful than mine, which were just mainly negative and critical. I'm so sorry, David. Thank you so much for <laughs> sending us your script. And um, to be honest, for me, it's always, do I want to read more? And mm. uh, despite all of the stuff I said, I was very curious to know what on earth was going to happen next. So I did want to read more. So in one sense, there is a tick in the box uh, for the script. So, um, but overall, it was, I, I wanted to know more purely because I was very curious as to know what on earth was going on. Um, so, uh, but thank you for sending us your script. And if you want to send us yours, anyone else wants to send us yours, sitcomgeeks at gmail.com. Look on our Facebook page for a link through to some sort of terms and conditions, as it were, uh, mainly uh, to avoid you from accusing us of nicking your idea, which we are not going to do. That's so, what's next, Dave? Well, uh, yes, yeah, so we are going to uh, talk about the world that, that uh, we, we create when we're uh, creating a sitcom. And it kind of uh, rises slightly a question we received on the Facebook page from uh, Ben Moore. Ben said that he'd been watching some uh, old episodes of, of MASH recently, which is as good a show as any to be watching old episodes of. Great show. He said that he was surprised that some of the plotting uh, wasn't very good, it wasn't very well structured, and uh, and it wasn't very well resolved. Now, I don't know, were you watching much MASH at the time that you were thinking about Bluestone, or were you avoiding how, it? Or? How, how dare you? Um, <laughs> actually, I was slightly avoiding it. My writing partner, Richard, did actually watch quite a lot of it. Um, but I think he was a little bit surprised that some of it on inspection is a little bit thin. Um, I think it... Mash is probably one of those shows that's that was brilliant at the time and is really good in the memory. But when you go back, it's not quite. It doesn't quite have the um, the classic sitcom mm. structure that we're now really, really used to. It's a little bit like I've been watching. I've been showing Charlie Brown to my kids, right? And um, some of the sort of TV specials and stuff on a DVD I bought. And you watch it and you think, "Wow, this is really 
disjointed, yeah. slightly odd storytelling. Mm. You would be, you know, if I handed a script in like that now for a mm. kids' show, I, I would have it sent back to me, or yeah. I would be fired because that's just not the way we do shows now. But I, but I think what what was so great for, uh, for me, Mash. In fact, I I bought a DVD of it a few years ago and was all all set to start watching it. And um, I started, and it had um, it was the American uh, rec- recordings of it, so it had a laughter track on it. I was so used to watching it without yeah. a laughter track, I just couldn't watch it with a laughter track. <laughs> and you couldn't so turn weird. it off. You couldn't turn the track off. <laughs> no. Oh well, maybe you can. Maybe, maybe I'm just can. a nerd. I'm not nerdy enough to to have spotted that. I'll have a look. Have a look. Going. Yeah. Um, but I. Uh, I suppose what I, uh, the, the the thing that was so great for me about Mash were, was the world that it created. The reason why I mentioned in terms of Bluestone because mm. obviously it's a it's a self-contained world yeah. and it's a world of you know no one chooses to be there. It's it's you know a world where horrible stuff is happening around you outside. People are getting blown to bits mm. really. Um, but I think there are uh, when 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 you're starting out creating your your sitcom, there are there are kind of three main things that you're looking to do at the at the start, and you're doing them all at the, simultaneously, really, which would make right, it's so hard to come up with a sitcom. You obviously you want great characters, and then also you want great stories, but also you want to bring us, you want to be able to bring the audience into your world. You actually are sort of creating a world and I think that's what happened with MASH it's so that world is so brilliantly created and the characters who are in there um that it's sort of almost this and, and the story is the story is almost too depressing I suppose we well can, except you, know. you it, except it isn't because it is ultimately they create a place that you mm. weirdly want to be yeah you actually want to be in a mobile hospital in the Korean War and it in one sense it had the warmth of a show that was came just after, which is Cheers, you know, yeah. which was the bar that every same, place same place where writers, everyone, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, overlap Similar certainly, lot, yeah. you know, the place where everybody knows your name. Yeah, and Mash was one of those one of those places where you it felt real as well because it was mm. dealing with real stuff. Yeah, um, and it's so it yeah they just created this world and therefore maybe the plotting was a little bit creaky and. Mm. Uh, and, but you sort of don't mind. Yeah. Um, you had this character, like you had the Colonel, who was he was like a sort of character out of a fifties American sitcom. You yeah, know, he had this little hat with his fishing uh, uh, yeah. things on his uh, on a hat, and he's like he's sort of talking about talking in a kind of cheery way. He's like a sort of good time American guy, yeah. um, except he's a Colonel yeah. in middle of career, and you know, and uh, and then you have. Clinger, who uh, is classic, um, the sort of the catch twenty two character. Yeah. You know, I'm uh, if I if I walk around, if people think I'm uh, I'm mad, you know, then hopefully I'll get sent back. Yeah. yeah. But if you're sane enough to be able to, think yeah, that yeah. I'm the mad, I think it has that catch twenty two real spirit infused throughout it, doesn't it? Yeah. So um, yeah, again, it's it's a it's a world that we just want to be part of, and yeah. lots of different characters and. Do you? I mean, when you were the creating Bluestone, I mean, mm. what were your? How, how how was that? How important was that world, and how much was that part of the? the I think, um, uh, yeah, I think with Bluestone, obviously, it was a very specific world in a very specific time and place. You know, it is Afghanistan. It's the it's the 2010s. It's not early. It's it's not early in the campaign. It's later in the campaign. It's a very particular time and place. So we worked pretty hard to get the details right, 
and to get the chain of command roughly right. Um, and then what you need to do is what I, what you, what people can do is they get so caught up in the world, they then explain the world for a whole episode mm. and nothing really happens. But what you really need to do is get all that stuff straight in your head, get it written down and then chuck it away and start with your characters and then get them going through because, um, cause that, that the character in the story is a thing that will drag you through. So we did do a lot of research and a lot of reading and a lot of talking to people. And then hopefully, um, we managed to chuck it away enough that we got the details right, but we weren't obsessing over the details. Um, and we revealed details as we needed mm-hmm. in order to make sense of the story. And we had to sort of try to find ways of having exposition lines about, about, you know, these are the, these are the rules here. But sort of doing them with jokes, and it, it, to be fair, with soldiers, it is quite easy to do that because they swear at each other all the time and take yeah. rip, and so you've, you know, you can you can do that without too much bother. Yeah, and the physical. I mean, the 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 the, the barracks itself felt that it, we we felt like we were kind of in. It, it was sort of quite claustrophobic in some ways. Wasn't yeah, it? I mean, was that? Did you kind of have a? I think what was great was we had we were we had the luxury of of a set where we could film three hundred and sixty degrees. Right. So we we had the whole place. We were able to, um, and that's you know partly because our set people were brilliant. And being in South Africa with a relatively weak rand, we could afford to pay a lot of people to build the set as well. Right. So so we had all these little areas um, within within that place. So we had a bit of open space, but also we had the sort of smaller spaces as well because they've adopted somebody else's buildings and they're now kind of filling them up with their own stuff. So we try to give it the feel that they are the, they are the 10th people to be using these buildings. And this is the 10th different thing it's been used for in the course of the last 40 years or or whatever. Okay. I just thinking of other sitcoms where, um, the, the world, the fact that the world is, such a place that we want to come back to. It's like what you were saying about MASH, you know, you we, we wanted to be there. And I was think, uh, thinking, again, Seinfeld is a good uh, example of a show that um, uh, actually the characters don't really stand up to a lot of, uh, you know, scrutiny, do they really? I mean, Kramer, he's a bit mad. Yeah. Um, Jerry, he's successful. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the world is, uh, well, the, the, that particular uh well Jer- jerry's flat i suppose which is the sort of center centerpiece mm. for for uh that show and that becomes it's just the place where jerry is the host you know the master of his domain as mm. he as he would say and then these three characters would come in and act out their neuroses in his flat his flat was and it was like sort of solid place mm. where you could be, people could be anything, yeah. really. Um, and that's, I'm sure that was a lot of the appeal. I remember there was this one episode, memorable episode, where uh, Elaine gets fed up with the three of them and she decides to find some new friends. Uh, do you remember this? It was episode? a bizarre episode, yeah, yeah, yeah I do. These, yes. uh, these three kind of people who look a bit like Jerry and, and, uh, and George, and, George yeah. and Kramer and they, uh, but they're kind of all nice people, but they're so nice. It's sort of, they're, they're kind of just a bit weird. Really. They're nice and supportive of <laughs> yeah. each other. And she eventually finds that <laughs> she can't, cringy. She can't deal with that. I mean, the, the, the other end of this, that sitcom as well, you've got the, where they sit in a cafe uh, and they're like, there's f- four of them are all in, like bunched 
together in this yeah. on this table and so they're kind of literally in spitting distance and so like when they're being rude to each other yeah you know they're in this sort of very very confined space and that's that's kind of the other that's the other part of Seinfeld and so that then when you get back into the flat again and yeah. it's, it's just kind of ah oh, this is phew we can just sort of yeah. breathe a bit again so that that's um but, but they did. But the Seinfeld's a really good example, though, because in, in one sense they've created a world in two ways. One is, I think, through through the attitude of the characters who are prepared to talk in great detail about minutiae of life. Mm. And Jerry is a stand-up comedian that almost has a license to do that because he's a comedian. Yeah. But also, his best friend George is obsessed with these details, and he really goes to town on them. And he'll. And, you know, because for, for me, George is almost the most active character yeah. in those early episodes, mm. particularly because mm. he's just a, a simmering ball of rage. Yeah. Um, so you've got that world of which is a, set by a tone, mm. and then the second world you've got are the characters that then emerge around Jerry. Yeah. For ex- and they sort of say so Jerry's parents and Uncle Leo and Banyan, this mm. comedian that he never likes and is yeah. always, you know. And Newman, Newman, exactly. Who's in it a yeah. bit, um, but he's not in it. He's not in it as much as you think he is. But yeah. then uh, you know, it's he's memorable. Though. I love it because I think if you look on YouTube, there's someone's just put all of the "Hello Newmans" one after the other, <laughs> um, and it's great when it's, on one occasion his mum says it. She opens the door and it's Newman, and she goes "Hello Newman." It's just great. <laughs> um, but there you go. That's you've yeah. got you've got a joke. Uh, where Seinfeld's mum is saying to Newman, hello Newman, you know what I mean? And that's, yeah. what, tick, you've got a world, well done, you know, yeah. you've arrived. Yeah. Um, and it's particularly t- important on an audience uh, sitcom because you are very, you're very restricted by your sits yeah. uh, in an audience sitcom. I, I've talked before, I'm sure, on this podcast about Frasier and how, uh, how, how Frasier is, is defined perfectly. Uh, by this this beautiful flat, and he's got everything is from some uh, different country and different style, mm. and it's all this amazing stuff. And then five minutes into the pilot episode, in comes Dad with that horrible chair, and the chair sits centre of the the, the 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 flat for the next two hundred plus episodes. Yeah, and that, that that kind of tells you so much about Frasier. That's that's his his world. This thing that is kind of yeah. blighting his world. It's the one thing that he can't. He hates the most, but he can't get rid of it. And it's 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 also his his dad. Yeah. You know whether it's his dad physically or or as a symbol. Um, so it's it's kind of, you know when you want it's to, part of your thing where yeah. in other podcasts and you've you've said I think this is a great idea. It's that your set or your situation thinking of it as a character. Yeah. And I think that's a really helpful thing because um, I think. Uh, I, somebody's script I read recently, it might even have been the pizza one, where the first thing it says is, oh, it's it's just a normal a normal office or something like that. Um, uh, that's right. Uh, sorry, David Drakeford, I don't mean to single you out. But it starts as, the back office is no smaller or duller than normal. Mm. Um, so that's probably not helping you, especially given that the whole thing is about a pizza house in Beijing it seems weird to say <laughs> we start with the normal yeah um so I think working using your set to work hard for you I think is yeah uh, really important yeah and I think that's um because actually I've been reading uh I, I I get sent scripts and things and I've read a few scripts recently uh that are 
set in cafes or bars, 20-something people in uh, cafes and bars. And I keep coming back to the, um, the the thing that David Tyler said in one of our podcasts um a few weeks ago about uh, you know people in people in a room talking hmm. i do get a lot of uh scripts of a, a group of 20 something people talking in a room uh, or in a cafe or in a bar and i suppose a lot of people you know you watched friends which is which which is the sort of show against which all shows in in you know, ensemble comedies hmm. or whatever else shows in cafes are, are are judged and you just think oh yeah it said it in a cafe but actually that cafe was just—I uh, mean, it just so caught the mood of the, yeah. of the time in the same way, in the whole way that Friends caught the mood, and it was like the the start of that kind of culture of people going to cafes rather than going to pubs, to pubs for yeah. instance. Yeah. Um, and and also there's something. And funnily enough, actually, I've just been just started watching Girls. I'm very late to this one, I'm afraid, but um, not even seen it. Getting into mm. that, Girls is. Uh, only the latest in the long line of you know New York sitcoms, but it's um it's it's Sex and the City post two thousand and eight crash. So there's right. no there's no glamour. Yeah. Uh, it's all seedy. It's people. Um, nobody's got any money. It's a lot of people talking uh talking in in their flats because mm. they can't afford to go to to cafes. So, um, but it's that the, the background that that the world is so perfectly created. It's it, it is an unglamorous Sex in the City. Sex in the City has kind of was the moving on from the yeah. Friends, the sort of that kind of optimism of the nineties Central Perk, and mm. and we all you know we all had hopes, and then. Then, sort of ten years later, New York is all it is all about money, isn't it? And it's all the, yeah. the, the, the kind of incredible growth of the debt culture. It's just people seem to we just accept that people are incredibly wealthy in Sex and the City. Yeah. So the next version of it, which is Girls, and it is it's twenty somethings talking about relationships and but also trying to get work. Yeah. Uh, and trying to get work where they're actually paid. Um, and but it's 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 the, the color is drained out of it. It's yeah. like watching a very drab Sex and the City. It's very funny, but it, it's the, the the world. I got the world straight away. Um, I'm, you know, we've watched two episodes, and I'm already kind of you know I want to I want to see more of it. Right. Yeah. Um, similarly with um, Silicon Valley, uh, I've been watching that recently, and that is. Uh, again, the moment it starts, you just go, you know what it is, you know who these people are, yeah. and you immediately, and I think it sort of plays with the stereotypes and against them quite well at the same time. And, um, so yeah, it's, again, what you're trying to do, and I think that's the problem when people are, are building a world, and they want this huge cast of characters, you can't do it in episode one. You just need to know in episode one, who is your show about? Get them doing something which shows who they're about, and all of this other stuff will, will follow behind mm-hmm. um but you 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 know the number of times you read episodes also not just of 20 something sitting around talking but a sitcom where you've got 14 different named characters on the first six pages you know like i have no idea who any of these people are yeah you really don't need to set all that up you just who is the show about and make sure that they are the active person in those first few pages. But I, th- I think that's a very good point that you made when you just uh, talked about Bluestone there, about you need to know everything about this world now, and you've got it's all there, it's all in your head. But um, you know, it will, it doesn't have to come out in that first page, and so um, 
you know the the, the um but but the way that you can get stuff out i do think is just kind of thinking a little bit about where where your show is what um, and what is it what is it about this cafe that you go to there's a little cafe i live uh in the Crouch End in North London, very trendy, and there's a cafe. It is now. It is, yes. Yeah, it wasn't when he moved in. No. <laughs> and uh, it's, um, they've got this cafe now, which um, I'm sure sounds hideous to everybody else, but it's like every, each table is like done, done out like a room in a house. And so there's a sort of little bathroom, there's a chair that's a toilet you sit on at one point, and there's a little bedroom. And it's all, you know, you could look at it and go, oh my God, I want to puke at the tweeness <laughs> of this. But it's actually quite, it is quite fun. Um, and you, you are sort of limited, uh, by the amount of, you know, the, the, the sets that you have. But I, I just think the number of audience sitcoms, British audience sitcoms that I, I've watched, and if my attention, uh, you know, goes away for a moment, I'm, I'm, drawn to this room thinking why what, what's what's that pot plant doing there what's this why does this room look exactly like every room that i've seen in every british sitcom yeah. since the 1970s um but actually i want to i want a room that gives us something that like I was just just saying it is like a character in the show and it's part of what's yeah. what, what what the show's about steptoe is a great idea i mean if you look at steptoe now you just think wow those guys they must be absolutely coining it yeah yeah because <laughs> they had they had all this stuff that but when all the hits to stuff yeah. yeah when steptoe and someone's going this was completely worthless stuff yeah. huge grandfather clocks giant stuffed bear you know stuff that you now see on set for sale for it's a thousand quid in a, in a sort of yeah, posh shop in Fulham, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so yeah, the world building. Um, uh, we should probably start to wrap this up. But what other little thoughts? Any more thoughts on world building? Just uh, when you uh, for for an audience sitcom, the very uh, to just put a lot of thought into the into the the sit where where the people are what's happening in that room how that room can help your character i think we're a non-audience sitcom um think really think about the whole the whole world that you are trying to create you can go anywhere mm. with it uh just thinking about again about the china sitcom um you know you what what do you want to say what what are you what, what are you trying to tell us about this world um, if, uh, as I say, if you're going to set it in a sit in a bar or a cafe, what what is it about this bar or student digs? You know, student flat. What is it about this flat? Think of the uh, young one's house. You know, instantly memorable when it's not being blown up. Yeah. Um, and then appears again exactly as it was. Yeah. So um, do 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 put some thought into that when you're creating that world. Yeah. Very good advice. Um, Keep it simple. I think revealing information as it's needed, starting with the character, you know, make sure you know what the world is, but then don't try to explain it all. Just reveal as you need. Give us the character. Give us a quest and we'll, we'll follow that character and then the world can be revealed as we, as we follow them. Yep. Great. Uh, that's us done. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for listening. And this has been the, uh, podcast 17 hasn't it so uh thanks very much thank you james pleasure don't forget to like us on facebook uh, ask us questions uh, leave a comment on itunes uh, buy our books read our blogs follow us on twitter i'm cohen dave and, and i'm at sitcom geek yeah, at cohen dave that's a mm. very uh, big thank you to british comedy guide who uh, broadcast this podcast and uh, we'll be back with another one soon bye
that was episode 17, was it? Yep. Excellent. Good. 17. Well, well, I'll look forward to hearing whether or not. What happens? What happens? Oh, I forgot to.